0: Is your cloud bill out of control? CloudZero is building a platform that will let you analyze your cloud investment faster than ever before. You'll get accurate, granular visibility into your total cloud spend without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools, like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. CloudZero is how cloud-driven companies gain more financial control and predictability by driving immediate and ongoing savings. You can answer questions like, "How can I save twenty percent of my cloud bill right now?" "Who are my most expensive customers?" How much does this specific feature cost our business? Join companies like Rapid7, Drift, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com/cloudcast to get started today. Again, please visit cloudzero.com/cloudcast to get started today. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody's doing well. We are getting uh, into about a third of the way into December. Uh, Happy holidays to everybody who's uh, either beginning their holiday season or getting ready for their holiday season. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. Usually on Sundays, we do Sunday Perspective Show. We are not going to do Sunday Perspectives today um, so much as we always do a kind of review of AWS reInvent as sort of the, at least in our domain, cloud computing domain, kind of the largest show of the year. And We have a number of other shows going on uh, between now and the end of the year. So we're going to use up a slot in a Sunday Perspectives to really kind of cover what happened at AWS reInvent. Usually for this show, we do this every year. Uh, You can put a link to the the previous ones. Um, You can find them if you just do, uh, you know, if you look in the December shows for any previous year. But uh, usually we'll go through and kind of walk through almost all the announcements. And I think this year was... I don't want to say this year was completely different, but the last few years, uh, the the tone of the show has shifted quite a bit, um, and and that really comes from to a certain extent. If you look at Amazon and and uh, or AWS, and and they'll they'll be happy to sort of point you to this in you know kind of their big product diagram. To a certain extent, you would you could point to it and you go, well, they have a little bit of everything, right? They have sort of an offering um, for the most part in almost every category of something that you might want in IT, or things to build applications, or you know, various types of ancillary types of technologies. And so what happens nowadays is there is still a certain amount of, you know, here's where our leadership is coming from, here's where the company's going. But to a certain extent, it feels like a lot of what every other company does, which is, hey, here's our show. And, you know, here's the new sort of features that we've been working on. Um, And a lot of things, you know, are are very much feel like sort of new features. So I'm not going to run through every one of the features, I'm going to do more of a kind of analysis of the show, um, you know, primarily from sort of from keynotes. Um, neither Aaron and I had a chance to get out there this year. We did get a chance to talk to a number of people that were in attendance in Las Vegas. So we did get a pretty good vibe for how the show was going and, and attendance and all those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, kind of want to use today's show as a way of analyzing, uh, you know, kind of reinvent its status in the industry, you know, where, where it stands, where AWS seems to stand, uh, the direction that they set forth. Through their keynotes and so forth, and just kind of generally, uh, you know what's what's going on with AWS. Uh, for the most part, they are still the largest company, um, at least in terms of cloud computing in our industry. Uh, a lot of what they do very much still sets the tone for what goes on in our industry. Uh, but it does feel like over the last two or three years, um, especially since they've made the change at the top, uh, Andy Jassy moving up to take the top job at Amazon and Adam Selipsky taking over as the head of AWS. Things do feel very different, and that's not unusual when you have uh, you know, a giant in the industry leave and a different leader try and take over. But uh, we'll dig into all that after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Panoptica. Panoptica, Cisco's cloud application security solution, provides end-to-end lifecycle protection for cloud-native application environments. Panoptica empowers organizations to safeguard their APIs, serverless functions, containers, and Kubernetes environments. Panoptica ensures comprehensive cloud security, compliance, monitoring at scale, offering deep visibility, contextual risk assessments, and actionable remediation insights for all your cloud assets. To get more information, go to Panoptica's website, panoptica.app. That's PanOptica's website, panoptica.app. And we're back. And as I mentioned, the top of the hour at top of the show, if you will, um, we're going to dive into kind of an analysis of AWS reInvent and and primarily not from the perspective of kind of what announcements were made. We'll put a link in the show notes. We'll also put a link to all the keynote events if you didn't get a chance to, to see what was going on during the week or listen to any of the keynotes or even see any of the announcements. We'll put links to all those in the show notes. Uh, but we really wanted to kind of dive into kind of how the show felt. Um, you know, where where does AWS feel like they are? What message are they sending to the marketplace? Um, you know, how is the marketplace around them? How has the competition evolved around them, and so forth? So let's kind of dive, let's kind of dig into that. Obviously, um, you know, it's an interesting time because uh, it's now I believe the tenth year of reInvent. Uh, Aaron and I were. At the very very early ones, we've uh, haven't been to as many lately, partially because of COVID and partially just um, because of some other things going on. I was there last year, Uh, but you know, so it's you know it's been there for ten years. It's still probably one of the largest uh, shows in the industry. I think you know things like Salesforce um, are still maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, Again, a lot of that has to do with you know how much of the of the, the ecosystem around it, the partners and others that show up for the event, uh, but it's still one of the very, very largest events. Um, obviously events are somewhat down uh, since the pandemic and um, it always is, you know, it feels like it, it's always closer and closer to both Thanksgiving and into the holiday season. So sometimes it's a harder time to travel, but, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, AWS, it's interesting. So when Andy was running the company, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll preface with this. It's really almost unfair to kind of compare the Andy Jassy era and the Adam Slipsky era, because quite honestly, a couple of things. Number one, um, Andy was there from the beginning. Um, They were essentially establishing what cloud computing looked like. And so their mission, uh, their charter from day one was always – you know, essentially establishing it as a new, something new in the marketplace, a rebel in the market, um, a, you know, an alternative to what the sort of the, the old guard, if you will, to, to use a, an AWS phrase. Um, so everything they were doing felt very new. And, you know, so there was a there was a buzz around that. Um, they had a considerable head start, um, maybe not necessarily financially versus uh, Azure and Google, uh, but they you know they executed. They executed like crazy. Um, they did an incredible job establishing a you know what was or what is. Uh, sort of the standard for cloud computing in the market. Um, they established a leadership position. They built an incredibly efficient business. Uh, their, you know, their, their revenue numbers were were tremendous. Their market, uh, their uh, margin numbers were incredibly good. So every time, every time we would get Andy once a year, uh, you know, it was it was always about kind of two things. One, what was new? What new? segment of the market had they gone and, and attacked? And then how had they done it in a completely new way? Right? So it very much felt like, oh, okay, they're going after databases, but they're doing databases in a very different way, right? Oh, they're going after, you know, the way that, um, you know, for example, uh, when serverless came out, you know, we're going after, you know, how to build applications and how to measure it and how it costs in a completely different way. You know all those types of things were, were really, really different. Andy, did as, as we've mentioned the show, and I'll put links in the show notes. You know, Andy and, and the team did an incredible job. And then when the opportunity for him to move on came, uh, you know, it was a, it was an interesting transition because not only was he moving up into a bigger chair, uh, you know, into maybe the the greatest business leader of all time in terms of Jeff Bezos or at least in the top five or so. Uh, so it was, you know, it was weird to see him sort of leave, right? He's really no longer has a presence around AWS, I'm sure. I'm sure he does, you know, in the day-to-day life of it. But, but for key, for for reinvent, he really isn't there. And when he left, we not only had, uh, you know, a change of leadership, but we also had the pandemic all of a sudden. The big change there was... You know, a couple of things. One, anytime you follow one of the greatest leaders of all time, incredibly difficult. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, there are very few people that are able to step in and fill those shoes and be even as good, if you will, if that's possible, or better. is is extremely rare. So it's hard to compare the two. The second was, by the time that um, Adam Salibsky took over, the role of AWS was completely different than it had been. You know, the previous seven, eight years, or however long Andy was there. Uh, maybe it was ten years. I forget you know, 12 years, because, you know, they had become not the leading revenue generator at Amazon, but the leading profit center of, of Amazon. And so, you know, you, you move from the person or the group who can take a lot of risk, can be, you know, challenging to the status quo, can, uh, you know, attempt things that might seem crazy but are long bets, uh, to the group that, you know, it seems like, um, number one, they are you know, part of what's expected to be a very stable fabric, because a lot of companies depend on them. And number two, you know, they're expected to be essentially the cash cow for Amazon to a certain extent, or at least the the revenue, you know, the the, the margin cow for that. And those types of things force you to run the business differently than you would if you were in a, um, you know, an innovator's position, a challenger position. And so it is very difficult to compare the two. I'll, I'll say that up front. But the second thing is it does feel like to a certain extent, Amazon for a long time was building, you know, they were all about builders and they were all about, we are going to give you as many, um, as, as Brandon Witcher likes to say, primitives, um, I'll say building blocks. A lot of people think of them as like services, but they wanted to give you sort of all of the tools, all of the, the Lego pieces, if you will, to go build whatever you want. That was their approach to things, right? They were not going to be for the most part in the sort of systems and solutions business, they were in the, you know, they're as they talk about all the time, they're in the business of, of builders, right? And so they did a tremendous job of, of building out this toolbox of of things for builders. And it does feel to a certain extent like, I don't want to say they've, they've reached the end of, of what they can put out there for people because there's still, you know, interesting sort of nuances. But it does feel like almost all of the, the things that somebody would need, at least the foundational, fundamental things, at least in terms of building blocks, um, are there. And and the shows these days feel very much like, okay, we're getting incremental features, we're getting incremental features of database, incremental features of storage, incremental features of, uh, you know, SageMaker or or whatever else it might be, and those are fine. And and that's that's how most technology companies eventually evolve into is you're not doing a lot of brand new stuff. You are, you know, trying to monetize the install base that you have. You're trying to expand it sort of in adjacent ways. And a lot of what you're doing, uh, is you are just incrementally, you know, improving the things that you have. And so that, that's sort of the first thing that feels different about AWS is it doesn't feel as much like people are sitting there waiting with bated breath to go, what's next, right? What new frontier are they really going to, to conquer? Because in a lot of cases, again, the the pieces are there. The second piece of it is, um, you know, the level of, of sort of confidence that they have feels different. Uh, You know, and again, this is, you know, this, this may simply just come from um, the way that Andy presents from the way that Adams presents, right? Andy was a much more confident guy. I mean, he sort of commanded the room and, you know, he gave off a vibe that was, I want to let you know that I'm the smartest guy in the room and we are doing things that nobody else thought was possible. And we're not afraid to do those things. And Adam very much gives off a different vibe. He very much gives off a, um, I am doing a quarterly QBR for you. And I'm going to walk through all the new things we have. And we're going to touch every single bullet point on every single, every single slide. And, you know, we're going to say all the right words. We're going to you know, talk about how we're growing and how everything's day one and all those sort of things. But, you know, it gives off a different vibe. It's just, and again, it may entirely be personality-based and that's fine. And, and that shouldn't be something that is sort of, a, you know, a knock against him. Now, the second thing that was very different is, you know, and, and people have had different opinions on this, but in essence, the, the kind of general perspective from the marketplace is that if you were to rank the cloud providers today, you would typically say AWS is number one, Azure's number two, Google's number three. Um, Usually maybe Google in some cases is four and something like Alibaba or Oracle or something might be third, but that's generally the, the feel of like, Hey, if you're sort of picking out the who's winning, right. Uh, By any measure, number of customers, revenue, you know, breadth of cloud services, whatever, that would be how it lay out. But if we look at the sort of new era that we're moving into, in which AI is very likely going to play a very large role and, you know, different dynamics will play a very large role in cloud. um, You know, I think as of November or December, 2023, people would probably say, well, Microsoft is number one, maybe Google is number two. And, AWS is number three. And here's why, right? Uh, To a certain extent, AWS was sort of the last to sort of make a bunch of big announcements and sort of lay out a broad strategy. So there was a certain amount of sort of, you know, you just, you were late to announce it in a certain way. Uh, To a certain extent, Microsoft... Appears to be aligned to the company, at least from a partnership perspective and a partial ownership perspective, uh, in OpenAI. That appears to be leading in terms of technology, right? And, and this is a hard thing to sort of gauge because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different things, but but for the most part, most people tend to sort of say, "Well, OpenAI has the most concentration of smart people." Uh, they've sort of come the furthest along with GPT four and, uh, you know, the things that they're working on and, and even just some of the new applications that they've come out with in terms of like, uh, you know, chat GPT, obviously, and some other stuff. Um, Google, obviously, number two, um, you, maybe you could argue behind the scenes, they're number one. I don't know. They're the one that for the most part owns the, the most, um, in terms of like, they own their own stuff. They kind of control their own destiny. Uh, obviously, they've been doing AI uh, and, and had teams working on AI for probably longer than anybody uh, with the amount of money that they have behind things. Um, but obviously, you know, they struggle from the perspective of, of bringing that to market in terms of cloud computing, maybe not necessarily in terms of other things that they'll they'll impact. And then Amazon is sort of perceived to be sort of the third because they don't necessarily own the most dynamic or advanced models um, you know, they hadn't necessarily made this a priority until this year and, and other things like that. So, you know, Adam comes out and spends probably about the first hour or so of a two and a half hour keynote talking about AI. And he does the thing that Amazon does extremely well, which is says, let me lay out for you all of the building blocks that we're going to provide you in order for you, the builder, to create AI applications or add AI to your business or, you know, however you want to go about doing that. And they do a very thorough job of laying out from the uh you know the investments they've made in cloud infrastructure, all the way through the various chips that they have, from you know, breadth of GPUs that they have to um training chips, inferencing chips, um, all the way through, you know, sort of the models that they have. They send, they tend to talk about it um, you know, in terms of three things, the sort of infrastructure level stuff. The models that they have, the fact that they support a broad number of models, they sort of do models as a service. Um, they're not bound by a single model, kind of the way that Microsoft is. And then they talk somewhat about some of the the, the application level tooling that they have, things like SageMaker and, and other stuff. And, and they do a very, very good job of, of sort of laying that out in the classic AWS way of saying everything that you could possibly want, every tool that you want, every option that you want is available through us. And therefore you should come to us. And what's been interesting is you're already starting to see some of the pushback. And again, this is where you wonder if this is really pundit class versus actual customers. But, you know, as you look at a kind of a broad spectrum, you're seeing a number of people who are saying, well, what's interesting is yes they're a little bit late but you know they're they're catching up and Amazon's very good at um, you know delivering and executing and so forth so you you would tend to think any slowness will will generally go away but the other part of it that's that's very different is when you compare it to for example what Microsoft is doing Microsoft in essence has said we are going to be more or less all in on a single model we're going to base everything we do on the open AI models of which we have you know, direct access to and so on and so forth. And then we're going to uh, impart that AI on all of our applications in various ways, whether it's in the Copilot type of technologies they have or whether they're embedding it behind the Office 365 stuff they're doing or whatever. Um, but, but their approach to it is you shouldn't necessarily – want to be in the business of being a builder of AI things, what you should be doing is really kind of customizing those for your business. But a lot of the things should just be there for you, right? So they've very much taken the approach of kind of the, the Microsoft altogether, somewhat simplified for you. You know, let's let us take on the burden of GPUs. Let us take on the burden of models. Let us take on the burden of data scientists. We just want to expose to you the things that your developers can then go do interesting things with. And it's a very interesting contrast because, as we look at kind of where the earliest earliest adopters are kind of leaning, they do tend to be leaning uh more towards the Microsoft approach and to a certain extent the the Google approach, which you know gets you into some some pretty deep um you know data science sort of stuff, whereas the Amazon approach is kind of stuck in the middle and and that's a weird place for amazon to be um, Amazon typically is sort of setting the tone for the tools you should use, where you should use them, the price point at which you should use them. Um, And they don't really seem to have any of those advantages right now, right? So they have somewhat of an advantage of if all your data is in AWS, then you probably can take advantage of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they just assume that the way that people built cloud up until AI came along Mm -hmm. is the way that people will bring, you know, and, and add AI into their environments. And you know it's an interesting perspective if if you if you go back and look and I'll try and find some links in the show notes it's a little bit like what microsoft did when apple first came out with the phone with the iphone and they sort of bemoaned it and said no that's not how people are going to want to use a computing device it it's going to look like the way that we do computing right with you know laptops and office and all these sort of integrated you know different types of things and Microsoft sort of came along and said, no, we're going we're gonna to do it, or Apple came along and said, we're going to do it very, very differently. And that was kind of the position that AWS was in before. It feels like things have sort of flipped with, with AWS. Again, thinking the previous way of doing it in lots and lots of building blocks is how people want to do AI. And again, we are early, early, early days in this stuff, right? We don't necessarily know what the most dominant patterns are. But a lot of times the early adoption does have a significant influence on what the later patterns will come from. And so to see that sort of dichotomy of one versus the other is is very interesting. and it did uh, it did feel very different from that perspective. Okay, so that was kind of the AI strategy, and, and we'll put links in the show notes to it. The next piece that was very interesting was to watch uh, Nvidia come out on stage and talk about you know what they were doing <clears throat> with AWS, and this wasn't unique. Um, Nvidia has been, uh, you know, this has been the year of Taylor Swift and the year of Nvidia, and um, so Jensen Huang came out as he always does, um, looking very cool, a black, um, you know, black leather jacket. Uh, And he basically just dominated the show for about 10 minutes talking about all the things that NVIDIA was doing and that they were going to bring the NVIDIA uh, DGX cloud to AWS. And there was a certain amount of, yes, we're partners in doing this and we're excited to be working with AWS because they're the biggest cloud, but there was also very much a sense of, yeah... Um, we appreciate what you do in terms of infrastructure, but we're going to be taken over from here or we're going to be stepping up and making the rules from here. And so, you know, that's a very other interesting thing to watch in that, you know, AWS in the past could kind of control the narrative because they had the most data centers, they had the most locations, but they don't have the most GPUs. Um, they don't dictate what data center architectures look like for GPU clouds, and so forth. And it was very interesting to watch NVIDIA sort of come out and say, we're excited to partner with AWS and all of AWS's customers. But they weren't afraid, uh, as other partners have looked in the past, to come out and say that, hey, we're just going to sort of be, you know, pledge fealty to AWS. They sort of came out and said, we are, you know, we are here to partner with you, but we're going to make the rules. And we are in a very, very strong position to do that. So that was a really, really, really interesting thing. And then the third thing that was interesting from an AI perspective, uh, obviously a week or two before um, reInvent happened, kind of all the stuff that happened with OpenAI, uh, we're actually going to cover, we're going to have a show about that coming up in about a week or so, kind of diving into all the (laughs) befores and afters and what happened and what it meant and all that stuff. Uh, But AWS sort of made it clear like, okay, we're not really in the driver's seat for OpenAI. That seems to be a Microsoft thing and maybe, maybe that'll work out and maybe it'll have some bumps, but whatever. We're going to kind of bet more on Anthropic. Uh, but, you know, we're also going to hedge our bets with a whole bunch of different models. But they they kind of wanted to come out and and give a vibe like, hey, Anthropic is our open AI. And the Anthropic guys are ex-open AI. So they're just really smart, just like them as well. And, and they did a very smart thing. They said, well, we are going to uh, we we're going to make it very clear to people that our focus is on safety, is on security, is on sort of, you know, things that can be used for business. And the Anthropic guys made that, you know, kind of clear in their in their talk. So, you know, I think that was a very, very smart move from the perspective of if you have doubt about what may perceive to be the, the leading technology space in this in terms of open AI, we think we have a pretty darn good alternative from the same type of people who you know are focused in the same area have the same smarts have the same experience but are trying to do it in a way that hopefully is more to your liking in terms of security in terms of you know uh, controlling risk and bias and all those sort of things so that piece was was very smart but again it was the partner anthropic basically setting the tone for that conversation, not AWS sort of saying, we're making the rules, but we're really happy to have this partner here. So again, second sort of partner that came along and from an AI strategy perspective, essentially was telling, you know, was not dictating, but, but kind of, you know, leaning on where AWS was going. So again, that very, very different. Um, from from the rest of it, you know, a lot of interesting announcements, as there always are interesting announcements. There's always really interesting technology. Don't ever want to downplay, you know, how good the AWS team could be. Uh, a couple of them that jumped out, um, as Microsoft has Copilot as their sort of moniker for all sorts of AI assistance. Um, AWS is using the monitor, moniker Q, so Q is their sort of way of bringing AI assistance to a lot of things, whether it's sort of documentation and interacting with how do I do architecture stuff to their Sort of copilot for developer type of uh, type of things. We're going to see Q uh, involved with other stuff. We'll see it with their call center product and so forth. So, so that was that was interesting um, in terms of that. Uh, it was very interesting to already start to see some articles come out that Q is potentially leaking internal information uh, about how AWS operates um, through its its interface. And so, again, like like every one of these big LLMs, um, we are going to see lots and lots of stuff about. You know unintended unintended consequences, and some will just be novel, and others might be concerning. Um, but it will be very interesting to watch how not only the the companies like an AWS responds and reacts to this, but how do end customers, uh, you know, deal with this? You know, do we go through a period of time of two or three or four or five years where we have essentially shadow AI happening, like we had shadow IT, or you know, does this? sort of hallucination, bad information, bias things just sort of get worked out. We all learn to sort of work through it. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, another thing that was very interesting, they announced something called Cost Optimization Hub, which um, you know we've seen Amazon have cost things before where they would sort of show your, your bill. It was interesting that uh, they are actively kind of trying to be in this space. And this is a weird space to be because – on one hand, Amazon obviously wants you to spend as much money as possible. Um, there's probably tons of things they could do to, to to actively reduce your costs that they don't necessarily do. But after a couple of quarters, maybe a couple of years or so, where they're actively coming out and saying, our customers are working very, very hard to reduce their bills because they're paying too much to us. Um, it's interesting to see them take a more proactive uh, approach with with Cost Optimization Hub. Uh, we did see a next generation of Graviton come along. Graviton 4 is out. Um, so they are pushing that very, very hard uh, for new workloads. It's a, you know, from everything we've seen, uh, continues to be a great platform, 20, 30, 40% cost savings over, uh, you know, x86-based CPUs. So if you can adapt your applications, uh, we're seeing more and more people that are, you know, having interesting Results and use cases there. Um, lots of announcements of sort of zero ETL integrations for a number of their database services. Um, uh, you know, sort of input services and database services. So they do continue to do a number of interesting things on the database front. I think that's probably in their top five uh, in terms of of revenue generating things. So it's in their best interest to continue to make it easier to move more data into AWS and use more AWS database services. Um, a couple of other things uh, that jumped out at me that. You know, and again, I, I'm not trying to go through kind of all of the announcements, but just got a couple of them that jumped out at me. Uh, Aurora Limitless Database. Um, so they continue to push the edges of, you know, what it means to take a sort of standard SQL database and continue to push it in new ways so that you don't have to think about sharding. You don't have to think about... Um, you know CPU limits and memory limits and I/O limits and other types of things like that. So um, again, th- that's an area where it's it's really interesting to, c- to see them continue to push. Um, you know, Aurora when it first came out, very interesting. Then it kind of went into the you know periodic small updates phase. It'll be interesting to see if we see a new era emerge uh, around Aurora. A couple of other little nit-nit type of announcements. Um, IBM DB2 is now available on the AWS cloud. So, um, you know, the the, the old guard, if you will, in in AWS parlance uh, is – you know, making it easier and easier to get uh, a database that while it may not be talked about as much is still um, used in, you know, widely, widely used in financial services and, and other sort of mission critical applications. And then finally, uh, they announced something right at the very, very end, which you're never sure if this is a big deal, if it's just an Amazon kind of service that maybe will become a real service, or if this is a Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, project, whatever it might be, uh, project Kuiper. Um, and this, this one's sort of interesting because it's essentially, um, a satellite internet service. So very much like Starlink that, uh, Elon Musk's company has, um, very curious if this is something that I would guess Amazon, the company has been using as they do logistics all over the place. Um, you know, oftentimes they make these last announcements of the day. Um, and they are things that you look at and you go, yeah, I'm sure Amazon's been using that for many years and they're now making it available. Um, it is interesting in the context of kind of some of the craziness that's going on. If you follow Elon Musk at all and Twitter and so forth, and, you know, the dependency that some foreign environments, so Ukraine, for example, uh, incredibly dependent upon Starlink, um, whether that will come into play with, you know, some of the other conflicts around the world or just, uh, you know, used beyond just sort of commercial internet. Um, You know, is this something that, Amazon have been working on it for a while and they now look at maybe the potential un- instability of, of Starlink, uh, given, you know, given their leadership, uh, and, you know, an opportunity to bring this to more and more people or to offer it as a service and so forth. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, not necessarily right in our wheelhouse, but people are always interested in space and, and those types of things. So anyways, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, again, all the links to the show notes are, uh, are there for all the announcements. The keynotes, you can kind of gauge whether we're right or wrong in the keynotes, but uh I think we are very much seeing a different a w s um, part of that is you know leadership changes and and you know how they lead the company and the the context around you know how they're asked to lead the company changes uh but also I think you know as we move into new eras, um you know the leaders of the previous era are not always guaranteed to be the leaders of the next era and you know, again, this is by no means making a statement that Amazon won't continue to lead in cloud computing, but as we see cloud computing evolve, um, and this is why we did sort of the last three episodes, sort of this historic thing, go back and listen to them, um, You know, things change from era to era because the economics change, the context change, the leaders of companies change, personalities change, um, all sorts of things will change. And if you're not prepared to lead going into the next era to create differentiation for yourself, to create moats, to be at the forefront of what people like and don't like, um, things can change. And it doesn't mean that you won't be important. It doesn't mean that you won't be one of the leaders, but it does feel like we're beginning to go into a new era of cloud. And it is interesting to sort of watch how Amazon presents themselves as these changes are taking place. So again, you know, read into it what you will. Um, you know, this is just us sort of doing an analysis based on what we saw, what they presented to the world um and how that's compared in the past. So anyways, hope you're all doing well. Hope you're having um, you know, a good Q4, good December. Uh, as you prepare for the holidays, I know there's there's lots going on. Hope you get a chance to spend time with family, uh, get away from work a little bit, listen to some podcasts, tell a friend about a podcast. You know, thank you all uh, for the time today. Thank you all for listening uh, throughout the year. Thank you all for telling a friend, helping us grow the show, helping us uh, you know have feedback on the show. We've got uh, I think four or five more shows left. Uh, we're going to go all the way up. Uh, I think we have a show just before Christmas, and then we'll do a show right afterwards, and then I think we take a, a, a show or so off around the New Year. So uh, a number of really good shows coming up, a couple of really good guests, as well as uh mailbag from the year, um, some year-end shows. Uh, we got a couple of interesting guests joining us. So stick around, tell a friend, um, settle in if you've got some long car rides or you've got some travel coming up. We should have Plenty of, of very good podcast for you to, to be listening to and to keep you interested and entertained uh, from here to the end of the year. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.